There's just no way that I would that I would I would lick that whipped cream off so that I could keep that dollar. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 206 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast where Jim is out of town. I miss Jim. I do too. The show is probably not going to be any good. Does that mean that all of the 200-ish episodes (laughs) that we recorded without him are no good? I think they're less good. I, I think that I think that we are all in agreement, and we can talk about him behind his back now that he's not here. We're all in agreement that he's really brought something. He's really brought a, a je ne sais quoi to the proceedings. Uh, a legitimacy. Okay. Mm, sure. Uh, a bunch of hot dogs. It's true. Like, he just keeps them on a bandolier. Yep. Keeps them in a little bundle with an alarm clock on <laughs> it that rings when it's time to eat hot dogs. How awesome would a bandolier of hot dogs be? takes to the airport. <laughs> well... <laughs> It would be it would be great for a while, but they don't ever go bad, do they? Not if you live in a microwave or if you uh, are just always in a hot tub. <laughs> oh my god, you could have a bandolier of hot dogs, go to a hot tub party, and then everybody could eat hot dogs like an hour just later. Just right off your chest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you'd have maybe. some sous vide hot dogs. <laughs> hey guys, do you want to come to this party where we eat sous vide hot dogs off a dude's chest? No. No, you don't. No one wants to go to that party. <laughs> It's like that. when you put it that way. I <laughs> mean, when I describe it accurately. Yeah. Using well. English words. <laughs> That's no way to describe things, Zach. Okay. In English? I know. I'm so, this marketing class isn't working on me at all. I'm supposed to spin it. Yes. Uh, let's see. What are we having? We're having artisanal frankfurters mm-hmm. plated <laughs> novelty. No. <laughs> No. Huma- humanely, humanely plated. plated. <laughs> yeah. Humanely plated artisanal frankfurters. It's good. Mm, guys, what have you been up to? Just missing Jim. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just pretty constantly. Much. I mean, we go an entire week without <clears throat> seeing him anyway. Uh, uh, I signed up for the uh, Alamo Draft House uh, frequent moviegoer club in advance of them actually having built a theater in this city. Hmm. When is that supposed to happen? I'm like, it, basically, as soon as that happens, I am going to be a guy who sees every movie and dies of alcoholism. They, uh, <laughs> they're now projecting end of 2015. Okay. So maybe 2016. I mean, it seems like, like we can't see any movies there until they're projecting, right? So that's true. It's, it's just that that's, they're just projecting 2015 up in the sky, up in they, the clouds. They could just put a TV out on the street, play a DVD of, uh, die hard and we could just drink a bottle of mad dog in a paper sure. bag i don't think you need them to do that but i can't afford a dvd of die hard <laughs> so you signed up for the mailing list yeah that, that's, that's super that, exciting that was, that was your week yeah it took me a long time oh you know that cat that i was trying to convince you to put to sleep and you said no way he's gonna get better he got better and now i'm eating crow i wasn't i wasn't gonna cat. bring it up but apparently apparently you're you're down yeah, yeah. he uh ferdinand the cat his diabetes has gone into remission yeah, yeah. which is pretty rad yeah. which is cool because it means i don't have to learn how to give him diabetes injections yeah i don't have to learn how to insulate him he's <laughs> he didn't really seem to mind it but i was always super freaked out because it I just, I was never really sure that I was doing it right. You freaked out by needles? Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan. These needles, honestly, were not such a big deal. They were super short as far as needles go. Maybe, I don't know, two centimeters, centimeter and a half. So you need a real small haystack. 
Yes. Yeah, you would. Uh, and then also really, really thin. I, I imagine that if you, uh, if you were jabbed with one of these, you would, you would not notice so much. Um, and it makes me wonder why different materials, like, I guess the stuff that's really viscous might need a thicker needle, but like, can't most all liquids go through thin needles? Like if, if you can make a, if you, if this can, can transport a regular liquid, like do liquids have different needle sizes that they, but it's need? not really a liquid, right? Is it, a, is it just a, li- I mean, it's totally just, but a it's a suspension, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. So, I mean, so when we are, say, injection uh, marinating our, our turkey on Christmas, right. that has giant chunks of herbs in it. Sure, but so you're not going to be injecting needle. that into a person. <laughs> you, I mean, well, uh, sort of. We're injecting why? it into us via our mouths. <laughs> okay. But I'm saying there are bits of things in there. Liquids have different viscosities. Liquids have different... Right, but medicines. Like, are there ever things that you're getting... Sometimes you take a pill and it's like the size of a Tic Tac. Yeah. Okay, I guess you I guess trying you to get don't want to fire some Tic Tacs into you through a needle that would suck. You could put them in your mouth. You could get a you get one of those like a T-shirt gun. Only it's a Tic Tac's needle, and you can give people Tic Tacs from really far away. Is it I mean, is so is a Pez dispenser really just like a medicinal? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a sugar syringe. Yeah. Okay, I mean those right. were Pez was originally designed as a medication. The the head on the thing would be like they'd be molded to look like your doctor or your nurse. The head yeah, of Jonas so Salk. Remember, yeah. <laughs> That's how you remember to take your pills mm-hmm. is by seeing the head of your doctor. Yeah. Oh right. You flip him. I, open I beheaded my doctor and put his neck. <laughs> I put his head on a pike. I have to remember <laughs> to take my medicine on my own because he's not going to call me to remind me. <laughs> I'm glad that we've had this uh, this history lesson, guys. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to, Riff? Uh, I've been playing with Legos. Oh yeah. Yep. I I I got around to uh, more fully dismantling the uh, the giant Millennium Falcon because when when I moved I had to bust it up into sections to, oh, huh. to pack it. So I uh, I broke it further back down into individual pieces and dusted them off and sorted them and am now starting to rebuild. Oh, interesting. So like the like the rebels after a major defeat, you are reconstructing mm-hmm. your your fleet yep yep i've uh i've been s- is it the same millennium falcon though <laughs> oh, that's a good question yeah I, Even, I guess if it's all the same pieces huh <laughs> they that's might the, not be in the same true. configuration oh i guess because there could be two identical pieces oh, that are swapped locations what is that? it's that's the ship true. of theseus is that the yeah is that the, the oh yeah yeah, yeah. The philosophical uh that was that played heavily in the uh oh that s, s that, that yeah. uh jj abrams idea inspired book <laughs> yeah you know. boy uh something that i've learned a lot about uh by reading the questions that have been submitted through our web form uh is like where i can get some generic cialis or viagra because uh, there's a lot of spam hmm. huh we need some sort of new uh, robot deterrent have you tried putting robot bait uh on a different form on the same site <laughs> And maybe they'll go for that one. Oh, I see. And have that one just go to, you know, submit it to a different, a different podcast that we don't like. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, XX Dog Videos writes XXX Dog Videos. Wait, really? Triple X Dog Videos? Yeah, apparently. Well, 
Wh- what? Mm, I don't is know. that dogs having sex with other dogs, or is it dogs with humans, do you think? I think it's dogs and Vin Diesel. Okay. Uh, do you guys want to do some listener's mail? Sure. While sure. I'm in here. Josh Grimmer wrote, my favorite thing about Don't Shit Your Pants is that the title screen reads, Don't Shit Your Pants, a survival horror game. <laughs> Somebody was mad at your, uh, let's see, what does he say here? Ah, sorry, I've lost it. The thread? We'll never know. Roger says, hello there, how are you? I am fine, the weather remains good. Anyway, some of you have previously mentioned playing IF games. Are there any you would recommend for someone wanting to get into them? So this is not the question where someone's mad. No, I'll get to that one, though. I okay. will find it. All right. Uh, wow, so... What is a good beginner That's an excellent IF question. Game? Um, I feel like maybe Photopia is a game that I believe is good and that is also quasi-suitable for a beginner because it does not rely on a bunch of esoteric genre knowledge in order for you to be able to approach it. Plot I know that one that was yeah, Zarf wrote one that is meant to be an intro. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google Zarf intro IF game. Would it be appropriate to suggest like a King's Quest game because it's not exactly IF, but it's a parser game where you move around. Like it, you learn a lot of the. Like an early, uh, b- before they had, they started the sort of point and click engine that they eventually moved to. Like it was, you would type in all of the things like take this and show this to this and that kind of thing. Like it's, but because it's, you don't have to like use that to actually navigate the world. I felt like it was, it's a good way to learn the basics in general, but you'd have to find an early version of like King's Quest that was still a parser version and in some way to run it. And those tend to have a lot of. I mean, you could just run it in ScumVM, but okay. Um, no, not ScumVM. What's the whatever the uh, AGS? There's a there's a, an AGS interpreter. Those aren't Scum games. Uh, oh, Scum is where they Scum moved. is the LucasArts one. Yeah, the script creation utility for Maniac Mansion. Right. Um, yeah, AGS. I don't know what the like common interpreter for AGS games is. So uh, Andrew Plotkin's intro IF game is called The Dreamhold. Right. And that is like straight up just trying to teach people how to play IF. Like actually just go to Zarf. Zarf just home. search for Zarf. Just go to Zarf Home. And he provides a lot of resources for people who are trying to get into IF. Like that is a thing that is important to him. Do you think that like Counterfeit Monkey would be too much yes i kind of do i think a lot of the ones that we really like would be kind of impenetrable because they bend the the gen like you have to understand where they're coming from before you can understand how they bend the rules i I know that yeah i think so i know that cole from the from the duck feed network um played slouching towards bedlam at our urging and kind of couldn't get into it i think because he didn't have the he just didn't have the the sort of literacy that we got from when we grew up. That was the only kind of game there was. What about uh, some of the Infocom games? Like, the, like I mean, Wishbringer. Zork, Zork did not assume that you had played one before because it was no, none of them did. The Zork, Zork, I feel like, is a little bit impenetrable to actually it's make hard. serious progress yeah. in. Yeah, Wish Wishbringer it, it does a lot is of a really things good one that, that no modern IF would would do to a player. It's got a lot of mazes. I Wishbringer is actually a really good Infocom game to play. Okay. Norden Burt is weird. There's too much bullshit. It requires a lot of real specific esoteric idiomatic knowledge that yeah. is maybe not fun, but it is an IF game that is... It's very accessible. It's impenetrable for different 
reasons right. <laughs> for certain people and, and it's accessible or, or not yeah. based on how many puns you know. Oh, it's Chucklemaster who was mad at you. He said, hey, about the tryout castration discussion from episode 205, I'm an asexual and I've never felt like I've wanted to have a sex drive. Also, I really hate the whole we only do great things to find mates thing. Oh, huh. I'm surprised to hear you say that, actually. You, I was just saying that back to you because you have said that. No, I, that sounds like a thing that I would have said five okay. or ten years ago. It's before I moved to San Francisco and didn't leave before it made me soft. It's a thing that it's a thing that people tout oh, regularly sure. as a sort of evolutionary reasoning for getting things done, kind of stuff. I think only buttholes say it out loud now. Okay. <laughs> Marcus Wine writes. Discardo Fonobiolo Latuce Risotto de Balavia Runimo. All right, Paolo, if you're listening, I want you to come into my office and tell me if that meant anything. Uh, let's see. Somebody was reporting that Train Hot Dog Episode 8 didn't work, and I fixed that. What was wrong with it? Uh, I It was linking to Train Hot Dog 7. I see. Why uh, was... Why was... <laughs> 7... Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Um, why was uh? You remember that why joke I wrote? Afraid? Why was six afraid of seven? Yeah, because seven made six dress up in a bondage suit with knives all over it and fuck nine to death. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a joke about the movie Seven. Yeah, starring uh, Brad, Brad, Brad Pitt. Just Brad. What uh? What do you think the sequel to Seven would be called? 72 chuckle master says hey guys the train hot dog transcripts on the wiki seem to have all been generated randomly or are they made from the background noise what's up with that i would like to get into train hot dog and transcripts would definitely help i'm not sure that they would honestly i think he's just letting google voice translate do oh that's so good do auto transcripts of it and then they're just community they're just editable by anyone oh my god that's so, so good yeah it written mm, man he is really the best. I don't know ways. whether or not that's part of the Frog Fractions 2 ARG. It might be. Ugh. Felgod says, Hey Riff, regarding Ossuary, I went to college with one of the developers, and when I got to the Discordian ending, I went, Yep, Greg made this. <laughs> Glad you found it, though. <laughs> Fucking Greg. You can always tell. You can always tell when there's some Hail Eris bullshit. Greg's been here. You can always tell it's a guy named Greg. Greg. Or, just, or a particular Greg. Because the one of the founders of Discordianism is named Greg. Mm. Greg Discord? Greg Hill. Oh, that's less interesting. No. Well, that's not, the, that's not the name he went by for the Discordianism stuff. Was he... Did he go by Mondo 2000? <laughs> I think I meant, are you serious? <laughs> I, went, I went and bought Mondo 2000. I had a subscription to Mondo 2000. <laughs> you went and buy it? You go buy in a magazine? Yes. Okay. Or you go buy a magazine? Uh, WVO Quine writes, Hey guys, I want the next video game I play to be a book. What are your favorite nonfiction books about video games? Uh, there's one that's very short but very good called Racing the Beam by really uh, Ian Bogost and Nick Monfort, which was about uh, programming games for the Atari 2600. It was really well done. Yeah, I highly recommend that. Yeah, I liked it a lot. What do you, what do you think about any of the boss fight books? I really enjoyed Anna Anthropy's ZZT boss fight book. I like Darius's Jagged Alliance 2. The other ones that I've tried to read have been way less good. There I, is... I, 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 I did their 
recent Kickstarter, but I haven't read any of them yet. Yeah, I keep getting them in the mail as they come out and then putting them on my shelf and not reading them. I tried to read the Chrono Trigger one and it was it just made me really angry how badly written it was. Huh. There it, is a, it was yeah. it was like one of the most indulgent and I don't know, man. Normally I try to keep an open heart about stuff like that, but boy, I was just like not mad. having it. Yeah. The um there's a sort of a uh, I don't know if authoritative is right, but the, like a sort of investigative reporting journalism style book on the history of Eve that's coming out in the next couple months. Hmm. Um, I haven't read it yet because it's not out yet, but I'm excited to to dive into that. You know, uh, Breathing Machine by Lee Alexander is a book hmm. that is not really explicitly about video games. It's more about sort of growing up alongside computers. Uh, and that was... It resonated with me, at least, like at my sort of particular age and experience. What are other good video game books that I've read? Jeremy Parrish did a a book that was a really, really detailed breakdown of uh, the first three Metroid games and Kid, Kid Icarus in a single volume that was really good. Hmm. Do you know what it's called? Uh, not offhand, and it is on a shelf that I can't get to from here. But what about if that? You, uh, if you Google for it, it should be that that um, paperback book that I found in my collection: "How to Master the Video Games." Yeah, "How to Master the Video Games." Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good by good old Jeff Rovin. Yeah, Jeff Rovin wrote a lot of books about how to master things in the eighties. He was a uh, he him and him and jovial Bob Stein produced a lot of garbage and then I don't know whatever happened to jovial Bob Stein. <laughs> he ended up being played by Jack Black in a weird movie that it's actually like, can't you win his money on TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you certainly can <laughs> win Jeff Rovin's money. Oh, sorry, somebody somebody got the lowest possible score, but that was nevertheless still all of Jeff Rovin's <laughs> money. <laughs> so we were only able to do one episode. I really don't know what we were expecting. Um, did you hear about the premise of the Goosebumps movie? No. Jack no. Black plays R.L. Stein. Wait, is this a real thing? Yes, this is a real thing. So Jack Black plays R.L. Stein, and the protagonists are some kids that move in next door to R.L. Stein's house. And it turns out that by writing the Goosebumps books, R.L. Stein is keeping all of the actual monsters contained, and they do something that lets them all out. Hmm. It sounds pretty awesome, actually, even though I have no huh. no affinity or 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 exposure at all to goosebumps goosebumps is definitely a thing that i would have been into if i had been 10 years younger yeah what about the the gers burps meme oh that's pretty good yeah it's mm -hmm. also okay yeah i mean i don't like that it's like mean natured and making fun of that girl but like sure it's funny because fucking words up is funny sure taco belp yeah, Taco Belp. What man? <laughs> I'm amazed that that anybody other than me found that funny. <laughs> it's you repeated it enough times, Riff. It's now yeah, stuck in our consciousness. Yeah, it'll it'll stop being funny if you keep doing it. But well, have you guys been playing any video games? Speaking of video games, I played um, like the beginning sections of uh, the Magic Circle. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. How did you find it? It's, it's neat. It's 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 interesting. The uh, uh, for people who haven't heard about it, it's a uh, it's like X 
Bioshock? Yeah, no. I think it was X- some ex-Bioshock people worked on it. it it's it's the uh, the idea is that you are somebody, like a player of some sort, that has somehow accessed an early beta of of a game that's being made that is in development hell because the the two main devs on it uh one is a a complete diva about his artistic vision and the other one is actively trying to get fired <laughs> and and the the diva character is almost exactly like Dr. Venture from the Venture Brothers and is voiced by the same guy doing basically the same voice. So it Do you it do you interact really well. with those two people? Not directly, like the, sometimes they they show up as like big eyeball avatars in the world and will say things to each other or at you, but you can't like interact with them and sometimes you find like audio logs from them. Uh, but the the gameplay is sort of like a first person ver- version of Double Fine's Hack and Slash, where you're you're wandering around this world and there are monsters that will try to attack you, but you then trap them and change all their flags so that they will then follow you around and fight other monsters for you. Or don't or, you like collect their attributes or something? Yeah, you or? can collect their attributes so you can like pull if you like. At I found a, a secret cave that when I wandered around through the maze to the back of it, I found a rock that had nothing special about it except it had the fireproof attribute, which I could then steal and paste onto the lizard thing that's my companion. You heard there was a secret cave that David found when he went by Dave. (laughs) What? There's there's a there's a song yes, you can listen yes, to. Yes and <laughs> right. okay good anyway I, Kevin appreciated it. And yeah. that's that's enough. Um, yeah, it's, that sounds yeah. better than hack and slash. Yeah, is it okay? Is this fun. game finished? Magic Circle is finished. Magic okay. Circle but is the, finished. Yes, the but game the, that is the, the subject of the game, game is unfinished. Is yeah, unfinished. but I'm saying the Ma- Magic Circle is a game that you can just buy and play and have yes. the whole experience yeah, it's, now. It's, okay, it's on Steam. All right, I'm I'm gonna play that because that sounds pretty good i wonder if a game that is about game development has resonance with significant mass developers yeah Yeah. i wonder if any game has significant mass appeal i wonder if neon struct has sold more than a thousand copies because that makes me sad i think it will in time right because it i don't know that he's worried about yeah about in the individual project because he just will build up a library of games and then they, they will uh, feed him until he retires and dies. Oh, like us. Sure. That $4 a month from word realms. It's not gonna, that low. It's going to put us in a lot of, put us in a lot of rice and beans. Uh, I have been playing some alpha bears. I, I can't remember oh, if we yeah, talked about that yeah. on the last show or not. I don't think we not. have yet. Uh, it's, it is it's really cute. Yeah. And it's, I, I really like the, actual gameplay loops the like sort of meta construct around it is a little frustrating yeah i had a i had a twitter chat with um the designer this morning and he he promises that the they're gonna fix some of the things oh like Um, the fact that you can't 
go that, back that to earlier chapters. That you're disincentivized for moving on to later yeah. chapters. So this game is weird. It's like basically just a word game where you're playing it. It's you've got a grid of letters that you reveal by using the letters next to them. And you're trying to you it scores kind of like puzzle fighter where you're trying to make big rectangles out of letters that you've used. And you get more points based on how many contiguous blocks of letters you use that every move you make decrements a counter on the letters. And once the counter gets down to zero, you can't use them anymore. So it's it's really about trying to maximize using specific letters more than it is to just use the most there's if there's a letters. there's a significant amount of strategy to it yeah, and and in trying to get a high score versus trying to finish the level yeah. also i kind of find that the math trying to work out the math of like how important is it to me to make high scoring words versus how important is it to me to make large contiguous bears at the end to be a thing that is paralyzing yeah it is too yeah. it is so difficult to consider that i don't bother i am certainly dissatisfied with myself if i do if i end up with more than one bear at the end yeah the fact that in the early levels it's very possible to play a perfect game of it in yeah. the sense of using all of the letters before they expire but sometimes you're just fucked right because sometimes you end up with three letters that just don't make a word yeah it, it, it requires perfect or and and you can't know what one of them is before you i mean unless you go out of your way to not put yourself in that situation strategically, well that's the which thing so like the part of the thing strategy thing you would is, do. is making sure that you have revealed all the letters well in advance of yeah and also trying to the last couple of moves like trying to play your cards right play your letters right such that you don't reveal too many letters because right. then those become pressure Right. To play those letters soon. Um, there is also this entire layer of things where you're unlocking these characters that are sort of like your party. And the things that they do are really interesting. And if you would describe the system to me, I would have said, oh, this is a cool thing that I like. It's like, well, if you take this bear into the level with you, you just get to pick three of these bears in your, you know, you find them and they have these powers like uh, R's, J's and B's are worth uh, five extra points yeah. or double or whatever. Uh, this one on timed levels gives you five more seconds. This one, they all also have an overall percentage multiplier to your final score. But I find it so cumbersome to choose which ones to take for a given level because the only thing that you can do is just look at all of them and what they do. See if there's anything specific about the level that means that one of them would be better or worse. Like, uh, you're going to fight this boss level and there's twice as many R's in there as there normally are. So then you go get the bear that has a big bonus to R's or whatever. And it's just like, again, crippled by free to play bullshit. The individual bears have like cooldowns. Yep. So sometimes it's like, well, you use this one, so you can't use it again for four minutes or two days or two days. In some cases, two days, I find more, I find it easier to stomach two days than four minutes. Really? Yeah. What about the eight hour ones? That's extra bullshit, actually. But I like eight hours is probably worse than four minutes. Four minutes is just long enough that it is just a middle finger. It is not an actual disincentive. It is just a we are inconveniencing you because we can. Hmm. Like, just say you can't use it twice in a row. Say you can only use this every 10 games or whatever. Sure. I don't know. I mean, obviously, the world is fucked. And as good as these people are at making fun, compelling video games, the world will not let them make a living off of them without them 
doing this bullshit because this bullshit is how you well, make any money you can, you can, you on can games pay, you can pay to wake up a bear oh can you yeah hmm. yeah and that's that's the, the, the silver coins which if you're i mean if you're not saving up all your silver coins to pay them by the 400s for the bonus bear events then... but that's how the only way you can get some of the bears. Yeah, yeah and that's the only thing i've done problem. with coins you can also just fucking hit a button to watch a video ad and then it gives you 40. Ugh, yeah. man. Garbage. I mean, at least they give you the option to give them $5 for infinite honey, which honey is what you spend to play the game at all. Right, but then the fact that even once you've paid them $5 for what you thought was unlocking everything, you still have to spend money if you want to do yeah. the stuff. Like, well, that is actually really frustrating to me. I mean, and I get it. I get that you don't want to put a cap on the amount of money that a really dedicated or really addicted player can give you if you want to make money. But like, I mean, yeah. it's just sad because I want the world to be such that this game would make a living for a guy because it's a good game. You know, tiny town was a good game. Triple town. Not tiny. I don't know what tiny town is. Square Enix just cloned it. Apparently I saw that in the, in Twitter. No, the Triple Town. Oh, um, which is interesting. I, I I don't know anything about it. I just saw the like headline like ten minutes ago. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's easy to do. It's hard to come up with. It's hard to make something simple because it just gets like if you don't if you don't do exploitative bullshit with it, someone, someone else, else just will. will, and you know, yeah. Now they're eating your lunch instead of the world just not giving you any lunch, given that there's no such thing as a free it. Right. So we've all been playing that. How about how about you, Zach? Have you been playing anything else? I think the only thing I played besides Alpha Bear is uh, I bought the uh, Legacy of the Void, the third StarCraft II chapter, went up for pre-sale today. And when you buy it, you get to play the first three missions. Oh, of huh. the campaign, so I played some of that. Um, That's an interesting model. Yeah, I don't... Like, given what we know about the way that they operate, it has to have been done for months, sure. if not years, right? And what is this? Why are they doing this? They have... I mean, they have very specific deadlines about when they want to release stuff, they, And this was this is winter 2015 slash 2016, is Whoa. what they seriously? Yes, this was just a pre-order six months yeah. in advance, and you can play the first three levels of it. Holy cow! Yeah, that I. I don't wonder if that get. is them getting some sort of weird data collection on people playing through those three levels. Mm, maybe because what that that is an odd or model. trying to push earnings into a different fiscal year or quarter sure. or something like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I'm probably part of the problem by having done it, but I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy this eventually. I might as well get it now and see what this is like. And it's fun. I like being a Protoss. So this is the Protoss campaign. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The Protoss was always the most interesting to me. Like, I feel like they always do. They always have done Terran and then Zerg and then Protoss, right? Sure. Wasn't that how the campaign went in the in the I original? So. Yep. I like Protoss. What I is their they're, story? They're like just a different alien race. They're like the Eldar. They're like the Eldar. Yeah. 
when when everything that Blizzard did was Warhammer 40k, the Protoss were the Eldar, the Terrans were the humans, and the uh, Zerg were the Tyranids. Okay. Right. It's what, just, I guess, what are the Eldar then? Space they, they're elves. like space elves. Okay. They, uh, they had the Harlequin's Kiss, which is like a tightly coiled wire. Like a, it's like a slinky that they shoot inside you and then give it a twist so that it sproings out. Except it's like razor sharp and cuts up all your innards. Wow, that sounds awful. Yeah, it does sound pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd enjoy that at all. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, like, I heard it described <laughs> once, like, in high school, and I still think about it a lot. <laughs> There's that, uh, shit, I'm forgetting which movie it is, the, where they had the the little sort of noose that somebody would fit over your head and it had a little motor on it and it would just slowly ratchet itself down until it killed you popped your head off eventually that sounds awful was that in like a saw no that this was in some sort of spy movie i think Mm. i i'm sure a listener will be will like be screaming at their podcast device right now yeah their televisions Because they can remember what it is. It maybe, you know, might have had, maybe had a Tom Cruise in it or something. Okay. I don't remember. It's probably about some sort of drug trade. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Let's just Google Tom Cruise drugs. Yeah. As he's, pretty, he's pretty straight and narrow, right? Neck so. pop. Uh, who knows, man? He's on whatever crazy immortality drugs that Scientologists give you if you're a celebrity. <laughs> That's true. Well, do we have anything else that we've played to talk about, or are we already moving on to the assignment? I did. I just did not play much. Yeah, uh, this I didn't week. either. It took a real long time to disassemble all those Legos. <laughs> I did another escape room. Oh, yeah? oh and yeah. can you talk about it? Uh, I mean, I I feel like I can say a little bit about it. It was another one of the ones by Scrap, the Japanese company that that operates uh, games in Japan and in San Francisco. It was. Not as bad as their first one, Escape from the Mysterious Room, and not as good as their second one, Escape from the Time Travel Lab, but it was somewhere in the middle. So if you're in San Francisco and you liked the Time Travel Lab and were able to tolerate Escape from the Mysterious Room, then I can recommend Escape from the Puzzle Room. It was a totally fine room escape. We did not get out. We got to the very last little bit of insight that was required and uh, didn't, didn't, didn't make the leap. It might have been The Counselor. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was the counselor was the name of that movie. Who uh, who was in charge of the little auto nooses? I forget. I forget who who had that tech. But it was this was more about like a, a drug trade thing. Yeah, it was uh, not Tom Cruise. It was Brad Pitt. Yeah, they're basically interchangeable. You think? <clears throat> So this assignment, you guys are going to have to do the heavy lifting on this because it was just straight up too hard for me to play. Portal stories, Mel. Yeah, it was fan-made portal difficult. Although campaign I guess that, in other ways, not surprisingly difficult because a guy that a guy that likes Portal Two enough to make a new Portal Two campaign is probably going to make it for something approximating his own skill level. There was a pretty large team that, that made point. this. This is like eight or ten people. Well, hmm. I think it holds true for. All of those guys, right? I think that, I mean, I guess it makes sense if you're going to make something like this that you would position it in terms of difficulty at the end of the increasing difficulty arc of Portal 2. But it's been so long since I played Portal 2 right. that the 
first of these puzzles was too hard for like i made it to i think the third room i shared a problem with this that some of the people in the forums said that they had that you didn't apparently kevin which was that i would often not be able to solve puzzles because i just had not seen places where portals could be fired that was something that i didn't like as much about portal 2 as portal 1 in that in portal 1 it was more more surfaces were were portal portalable than not, and then they flipped that in Portal Two, and in right. this it was even more so. Yeah, it was pretty Spartan for a lot of the game, where you could. I mean, there was there was a whole section of the game that was in rooms that were a lot more like Portal One. That's yeah, I didn't get that far. that far. I so. got I got till the what's the achievement that you get like voice from above or something where the some some system determines that somebody is solving puzzles and starts destroying things uh but that sure. was as far as i got i the writing and the vo in this were they really reminded me of good omens huh like I did not like Good Omens, not because I think it was objectively bad, but because it was trying and failing to be Douglas Adams. This I don't think was objectively bad, but it was trying and failing to be Eric Wolpaw and J.K. Simmons. It's... Yeah, the writing was just just a bit... was just enough off to to be distracting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't think that's a fair assessment of Good Omens, but I would say that that's a fair assessment of this. Yeah, right. I also really like Gnomans. No, I know. And and I think a lot of people really like this. I mean, a lot of people I'm 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 not only trying to figure out a way to say this, I'm trying to figure out a way to feel this without feeling like an asshole. Hmm. But I think that maybe it is just that there is some characteristic of in like let's just talk about this in the case of of Good Omens. The, what it is that I specifically appreciate about Douglas Adams is not the thing that you guys specifically appreciate about Douglas Adams. Mm. And so the fact that Terry Pratchett fell short of that on some axis made it not work on me in a way that it didn't make it not work on you. Do you and have- I don't want to, I don't want to like, I'm absolutely not trying to be judgmental about that or or to say that like well if you understood Douglas Adams the way that I do you would recognize that this is just a pale imitation like I think it is just a different well do you have some sort of uh, knowledge outside of the book itself that they were attempting to make something Douglas Adams like? no it just felt to me like a very obvious homage that huh. was just done not as skillfully interesting which I mean th- you know I would probably hate everything that I've ever written if I read it as a third party for a lot of the same reasons but it's, yeah, I don't know. This just, it did not compel me to, because I thought, well, if this is good, I'll just watch a video of someone playing it. But then I was like, no, I kind of don't want this. Like watching a video of the gameplay is not going to, I don't think that I would get any of the same satisfaction out of watching a video of somebody solving portal puzzles that I that I would out of solving portal puzzles. They were all, like when I finally, like the ones that were particularly baffling when I eventually found the solution, I was almost always just very happy. Like it was a, a, just a really good aha moment, which I really appreciate. Mm, okay. And felt like they were, they were almost all fair. They just required you to think about 
the game world and like so having so few areas that were portal surfaces and then having like there are only a handful of things that are really interactable it's it's actually not that many moving parts to most of those levels and so if you just think about it as a bunch of abstract systems you can often work out a solution except for the fact that you sometimes have to think about things like the game physics like how like knowing that you can if i can get really really high in this room and fall through a portal on the floor i'll shoot high enough up to like then be able to make a a platform that i can land on that puts me high high enough up where i'm above like a barrier or whatever like you have to be able to to synthesize a bunch of different things into one potential solution all at the same time um but it just it didn't really feel like it ever repeated itself i always felt like it was doing something that was sort of fresh and interesting um, yeah, the design, I, like the, I, the I design like was really were, solid. I felt like there were decent puzzles. It was just I, I needed more of a ramp up to that level. Yeah, of I definitely felt that way too. And I also sort of wish that there had been less space available, right? Because they were really big spaces. Yeah, yeah, they were big spaces, and it was very, it was difficult for me at least to to conclude with any confidence which things were just decorative and which things were important to the geometry of the level because there was a lot of extra space there was a lot of and i think this just goes to show how good valve's level designers are right in order to create the sense of it being a real space they had to put in a lot of just useless diverticula do you in, not feel like this. there were sections of Portal 2 that were like that? I, I felt like there were, there were very large spaces. few of them. I feel I feel like Portal 2 gave the impression of there being a lot of large space, but it was all still pretty hallway, and it spent more time giving you the impression of space than it spent forcing you to hmm. wander around a space trying to figure out where the important bits were. Like, I never, I never felt as frustrated, I don't think, and it's been a really long time, so maybe I just don't remember, but I don't think that I ever felt as frustrated playing Portal 2 as I did playing the first couple of levels of this, where it was like, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this room that I'm in was part of the puzzle that I solved to get here or an important part of the next puzzle. Yeah, I had I had a real problem with the, the very first puzzle. I got really frustrated just because that that first puzzle room where you've got like this single portable surface with a pipe right above it and it seems and you have to get into the portal on that surface from above it seemed like and it took me but the pipe is in the way and it took me ages before I found the switch that turns the pipe on that makes that puzzle possible because it was sitting in like a row of other random just junk objects and fake terminals and stuff that I didn't recognize it as a interactable thing. Hmm. You know, I guess my inclination to just like the first thing I did every time I went into a level was just sort of learn the geometry of the level and then immediately try to use everything and I would shoot my portal gun off into the distance to see if I could find hidden areas and stuff. So I guess I I was just always just sort of mapping out the possibility space right away and then thinking about the puzzle each time. Hmm. So 
maybe it's just my sort of methodical in, in this particular case my methodical yeah. nature really yeah. just came and the combination came. of methodical behavior and good spatial skills i mean i feel like i would have a hard time actually going to every place in a level even mm-hmm. if that was my goal and even if i could do that i would have a hard time like keeping it in my head where things were this it seemed like and maybe this is not true maybe this was only true for me or maybe only true in the beginning it seemed like a lot of these puzzles relied on finding a place from which you could see yeah Yeah. a portable surface that definitely that definitely was true in multiple instances and that's that is a little aggravating to me especially because it's not it is not often clear, like, which things are even supposed to block movement, you know, because it was just so, it was, it was too environmenty and not puzzly enough. <laughs> there was some, somebody on the forum also voiced the, the problem that it seemed like there were a lot of puzzles where you could see where the destination was, but you couldn't actually see the destination because it was around a corner or something. And when you'd finally gotten there, you discovered that there was a button that you needed to have hauled a box to. You you almost always need to bring all the boxes with you to the end, yeah. like, and you just you learn that. I I learned that after like two or three times, and then I just always made it my goal to make sure that I had the boxes with me by the time I got to the end, and it was almost always the right move. Yeah, yeah I mean, like other than all of that, I thought it was well made. It's it's remarkable that it's yeah, a it's a neat a fan thing. project. Yeah, I hope that those guys can use this as a resume and get jobs yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, it's, it's very very good design and production and quality control and and everything. Well, what are we going to do for our next assignment, Riff? Uh, for our next assignment, uh, in honor of uh, Satoru Iwata, we're going to play Balloon Fight. This is a like a classic early NES game that I have never played to any significant extent. Yeah, I don't think there's actually a whole lot to it. Um, it's like Joust, but then it has some other game modes. I think it has a right-to-left scrolling section, hmm. which is... huh. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen that mm. that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see if there's anything to say about it uh, other than we're sad that Iwata died because it is sad that yeah. Iwata died because he seemed like a cool guy. Yeah. And he was still pretty young. Um, This is turning out to be probably the shortest episode ever of Video Games Hot Dog, but none of us yeah. have played any video games and Jim wasn't here to tell us any interesting stories <laughs> to keep us... To keep us engaged. Do you think he will still record a train hot dog wherever he is? Oh, maybe he will. It depends on whether they have trains. Whether where he's going, they need trains or he not. Could, he could just uh, buy some sort of train soundboard and play it next oh, to him yeah. while he records. I think audio. he has stacked up some episodes. Oh, has he? What, the one week that we didn't record, he still sent me a train hot dog. I see. So... I think it's I think it's an important part of the Frog Fractions 2 ARG. Good. <laughs> Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a Cialis or Viagra advertisement or just the phrase hot video, yep. how would they go about doing that? <laughs> well, I highly recommend you go to the 99% Invisible website <laughs> and find some web form there and just submit it there. Uh, but if you want to send us a question or a comment, then you should go to our website, videogameshotdog.com. 
and use the form there to uh, to communicate with us. You know what else you ought to do right now? Pause this podcast. Okay, now unpause it and let me finish giving you the fucking instructions. Pause this podcast. Okay, listen, this is getting ridiculous. What I'm going to ask you to do after I ask you to pause this podcast is to tell a friend, tell a stranger, tell a relative, tell a classmate, tell a teacher, tell a student, tell a coworker, tell someone about our podcast if you think they might like it and have them come and listen and then maybe they'll send in a question and then maybe they'll be more popular than you pause the podcast right now and go do that hey thanks now that you're back why don't you uh go give us a review or a rating on itunes well that's a lot of calls to action i'm being really abusive yeah no kidding really i'm really abusing the trust of our audience (laughs) but it's okay they deserve it they know what they did You guys have had a phenomenal time recording episode number 206 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And until you do, keep your elbow on the couch and keep listening to the shower. Mm -hmm. Good night, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. I guess I did, if you if you just had like a jar of peanuts and you said, give me a peanut, and then yeah. I handed you two peanuts, you would be like, I said a peanut, you <laughs> asshole. Right. So I think it... No, that seems like something uh, kind of petty to call someone an asshole about. <laughs> <laughs>